Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. Oh, man. Alexandra is just so good at writing. I, I love what she does so much. She's been on the show multiple times. She was on our February 29th show. She was on our Kennedy Center show in 2019. I actually found a photo of us the first time together on stage. Uh, I think it was 2011 at DC9. I've known Alexandra for since then. She is so good. Her book, Nothing is Wrong and Here is Why, in theory, should bum you out. Um, but it doesn't. It's It shouldn't be as fun as it is, but it's so fun. And it, in a weird way gives you hope and perspective about the future of everything something that won't give you uh hope and perspective about the future of anything is the coronavirus and uh, how it's uh just destroying things that used to exist in america and that's why we have a patreon account go to you me them everybody.com to consider donating to our patreon account every dollar helps you could read Alexandra every week in the Washington Post. You could read Nothing Is Wrong As Here Is Why at most major book retailers. If you are uncomfortable about leaving your house, the digital version exists. I read it as an ebook. We've already talked about A Field Guide to Awkward Silences, her 2015 book on this show before. Big, big fan. I'm glad she still does the show. Here's Alexandra. Swell. You're actually doing swell. No, that's my like automatic uh, American response to this question. Uh, for <laughs> you know, I'm holding up is what I should say. How are you? Uh, one to ten. How are you doing? I can't complain really. So I, I guess I give myself a solid seven or eight. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. Do no, I've got you... my health. My family's got their health. That's good. And uh, the I, I have my usual sort of elaborate COVID-related stress dreams, but uh, I can work from home and. Yeah, a lot of basically nice living conditions continue to occur. How are your teeth? They're good. Okay. <laughs> okay. What, what, like my lower teeth are slowly turning back around because I stopped wearing a retainer after mm -hmm. college. But, you know, that's... How are your teeth? Bad. They were way worse in March and April. and May. I don't think I'm grinding my teeth anymore, but I had dental appointments that were canceled. And since then, the things that would have been taken care of have now gotten like marketably worst oh yeah so it's like well this is just a slow downward spiral but it's like once again i feel like i can't complain about that compared to others no exactly although my dentist like they started setting up notes being like we everything we, we reopened it's cool everyone seems to be fine so far <laughs> so like the D district dental solutions is ready um, <laughs> the last time i saw you is february 29th 2020 you had already written about the coronavirus and it was sort of a joke at that point not a joke joke but like not a yeah not a joke joke it it was clearly not taken as a serious threat i think the topic of conversation that was dominant that weekend was what's going to happen with bernie that sounds right and was this before or after cpac because i remember my first coronavirus mm. experience was because i had gone to cpac and they'd had what they you know some positives there. And so then I had to quarantine earlier. And then, you know, with the expectation of like, oh, you're going to spend a couple of weeks quarantining and then you'll be able to return to the office, a physical place mm -hmm. where people will get to be. And uh, that, like, there's like a bonus couple of weeks in there. So CPAC was the same weekend as February. It was it closed on February 29th, which means that you went to CPAC, brought coronavirus to our live show, and then uh, since then everyone's healed. 
<laughs> no, yeah, because we didn't find out until like the week after Correct. or something that somebody at CPAC had it. Yeah, so I was, man, well, I hope everyone was all right. <laughs> that uh, band was great. I would hate for anything to have gone wrong. So at that point in time, you were very excited about uh, a few things. You had a play that was about to premiere. It was going to, I think it was going to premiere on your birthday weekend. <laughs> yep. And the book was going to come out. It has since come out, but I'm not trying to downplay the book at all. I love the book. It's it's a collection of essays, so like right. all that work was already done. Exactly. I mean, there's like a couple of new ones, but for the most part, mm -hmm. it was the labor of assembling and making it flow together and not the labor of creation. Yeah. And did you think that your book would have like this much of a shelf life during coronavirus? Because when I started it, no offense, I did not want to read it because um, the world's in a very not fun place. <laughs> Yeah, no, none, none taken. Uh, and I and the way the book is divided is into uh, topics, and almost all of them are revolve around the current administration. And um, it was actually a very pleasant read, which was so shocking because it shouldn't have been shocking. Because whenever I go to the Washington Post, uh, yours is like the one fun piece about the current administration that doesn't make me want to stop reading and interacting with the news at all. So I don't know why I thought I wouldn't enjoy your book, but I really enjoyed it. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad that you did. I feel like part of it is also just like, it was just the idea that like, oh, like thinking about Scott Pruitt is actually, is like the, the nostalgia for the frying pan mm -hmm. um, kind of uh, when you're sitting there in the midst of even worse that things could get. Um, and so in the sense it's like oh like let's look back on the past when things were awful but not also a pandemic was happening yeah yeah so there's a one piece in there that has nothing to do well that's not true um there's one piece in there that could have been in any collection of essays regardless of the administration and i am a, a newish parent and your um, your essay about uh, the types of parenting is perfect. Um, there's really no question here. I'm just heaping praise on that essay. Oh yay! No, I, that was one of my favorites, and it was weird because it's like the one from like the time window before I started being like things from this time window are basically okay, and I don't mm -hmm. cringe at my writing. But that one, I was like, oh, so I you know I look forward to someday being a parent, and I hope that it's not too accurate <laughs> oh no it's perfect it's way too accurate um but it has nothing to do with the trump administration which makes me beg the question why is it in the book well because it i i guess mostly because i liked it and it had happened within a time frame that felt relevant to the book and it also was a series of instructions on how to do things wrong which mm -hmm. i felt could sort of fit into there was like a category heading where okay. it was excusable to include because there are some that aren't directly as ex explicitly Trump political. Like there's a lot of stuff, like there, there's one from like a, a pigeon that's sad that it's Confederate statue is being taken away. And so like- I which, would beg which, to differ that you can't, at this point you can't separate the two. Yeah. Um, I, uh, uh, it, maybe it's because I'm a parent, but you're writing about the, the kids in cages. The kids in cages, I would say for me, that was the thing that I can't shake ever. Um, and whenever I think of this, this administration, that's what I instantly go to. And your piece about that was not funny, but heartbreaking. And like maybe the, 
it's the kind that if this was a movie, that would be the emotional turn, and like the bad people would stop being the bad people because they read that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the great hope of writing is that maybe somebody will read something and turn. And, and the, it's weird to keep doing the act of writing during this administration when yeah. nobody really seems to read things and turn. But you, but some things are just too horrible. I mean, l- like you, that that point, just having to know that that was happening and also both simultaneously just the, the fact that it was happening and the fact that it, it was so difficult to you, you could say this is happening and people would still want to go through with it like that sort yeah. of breakdown of language and breakdown of sort of like oh like i thought that if we just alerted people to the fact that this was happening they would instantly go rushing in to stop it and the fact that like people would like think that, like enough people would be inured to this to let it continue it was just uh horrible and then clearly with the news of this week with with some hysterectomies being performed at facilities run by ice it's um in no way shocking. Yeah. I mean, uh, no, it's like props to the whistleblower for yeah. coming forward. I mean, but, sorry to bum you out, but I think, the, no. I think the thing I'm going for here, the thing I really want to know is how is your current willpower? How is your, how is your depression level when it comes to this stuff? How are you able to do what you do without becoming bitter? Or do you just hide the bitterness? Well, I think my baseline as a human being is it, I have a relatively cheery baseline, mm-hmm. which is just as a, if I've had like, if I, I've eaten food that day and had a good night's sleep and am feeling like myself, then myself tends to be a sort of upbeat human being. Um, but I mean, it's hard to contemplate what's going on and not feel bitter, but also I, I guess hopefully I can feel embittered, but not lose hope. <laughs> because however you interpret the Pandora's box thing, where it was like, hope is the worst thing to have. Hope mm-hmm. is what will keep you in this nightmare situation where plagues and devastation is flying around you at all times. And that's the, the way really were cruel to stick that in the box there with you, because that's what's going to make everything else unbearable. Or it's like, this is the one thing that maybe will get us through all of this, even though there's various night beasts flying around. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know. I go back and forth on that because if you allow yourself to hope, that's when you can really get uh, dinged over. <laughs> dinged over. Um, you are probably. I'm here from 1945. <laughs> 1945. I think like 55. I don't know. Like something like Leave It to Beaver television. Dinged over. Uh, <laughs> you're one of the biggest Star Wars fans I know. I don't think we talked about episode nine. Are. You happy uh, with do episode? We talk about episode nine. Okay, so you're not thrilled with episode nine. <laughs> oh, I viscerally disliked episode okay. nine. Uh, I saw it in theaters three times, but I hated it every time. <laughs> now that cast members are uh, saying not so great things about the franchise and their experience, does this uh, does this make you think about Star Wars any differently? I mean, I yeah, definitely. I think. The trouble with Star Wars is that initially in like the 1970s, it was this like, here's like this modern, multi-generational modern day myth. It like became this huge thing. Was It became this world where like everyone wanted to see that, like that story where like everyone was like, I want to be like Luke Skywalker. I want to have like the lightsaber. Like this is so cool that like, this is like the hero dream, like Joseph Campbell, all of that stuff. And then like 
sort of the promise I feel like of the new trilogy was that they were going to deliver on that. Where it's like, it's going to be for everyone. And they didn't actually deliver on that. And like, in a way that I, like John Boyega did a really good job of describing how like they sold it. Like he's going to have this like awesome journey and he's going to be pivotal. And then like the, the storytelling didn't deliver on that. And it just sucks because I felt like that's sort of, if you're making a new Star Wars trilogy, like that should be what's happening is like getting to like, broaden out the story and getting to like tell all the other cool stories that were suggested within that world and so yeah no it's a big bummer plus like in addition like the movie was a bad movie like leaving aside like the deeper questions of like the failings of the franchise it's just like zombie palpatine is your grandfather and that's the reveal come on what did you think of solo to me it's not canon but it's an enjoyable movie Mm mm-hmm like, it's, it's not canon in the sense that I'm like, well, you know, it could have been about anyone. It didn't have to be about Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Like, also, uh, the thing about Solo is it, 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 like, all of our heroes, I feel like, are irrevocably tainted by it because it's revealed to them that the droids are like, we are not happy being, like, owned by you humans, and we'd like to not be. And then we, you see Han continue to, like, own C-3PO for the rest of the franchise, mm-hmm. even though he's been alerted to this. He can't say he wasn't told. So I feel like in that way, like it was like a good moment at the time, but then you have to have the other three films and suddenly there's this context. So if you want to keep viewing him as a hero, it makes it impossible. Anyway. Is there any long form storytelling that you think is unimpeachably good? Or is any time that there's something that happens for the, over the course of 20, 30 years, the missteps are going to be so big? Ooh, I mean, I think the Iliad did a pretty good job. Okay. Uh, like, Iliad Odyssey. I think like, they, were, they were over, like, 30 years. That, that, never mind. That's a dumb joke. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. So, the, I mean, the Star Wars trilogy, that's over nine years, and I thought they did a great job. I have a soft spot for the prequels. I know that they're awful, but, like, they're awful in an interesting way, where it's, like, funny how bad they are, and also it's a Star Wars movie. And furthermore, it's, like, opening up the... Like, oh, hey, we've got a new planet that's kind of cool and interesting instead of like, this is basically a planet you've seen before, but it's got, you know, a forest. Did you <laughs> did you see any of them like midnight screenings or were you too I mean, young? I was pretty young, but I saw the like opening weekend okay. for sure. So like. I want to say the third, sorry, yeah, the third one, which is episode three, is the first movie I ever saw at like 3 a.m. Oh, wow. Because all the screenings for the midnight sold out and me and I was the arts editor of my newspaper in college and like the editor in chief and I went and like we held up, we like, we like got the paper printed as late as possible so we could run our Star Wars (laughs) review. Yes. No, that's what it's for. I feel like that's like you got to use that power when it's presented to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, and also episode three, like that, you know, it could have been it could have been much worse. Well, the fact that it ends with the essentially with a Monty Python skit. <laughs> oh, yeah. It only a flesh wound. <laughs> Come on. Um, Monty Python might be the longest running creative team that has no giant missteps, actually. That's interesting. I feel like I haven't rewatched it in so long. Same. That that's I'm why I'm cheery. saying this aloud. <laughs> because like, not having recently seen it, I wonder if that's true. Um, but uh, I mean, as, as somebody who get, had like the big, you know, the, the box of all of the Flying Circus, and some, for some reason, I would always watch 
meaning of life before I had to take a standardized test, like one of the ones that you couldn't study for, huh. like night before the SATs, and I'd always rewatch uh, meaning of life, which I can, do recommend because then you have every sperm is sacred stuck in your head and you're, and you're like, you're <laughs> smiling for a reason you can't disclose to anyone around you as you're filling in the bubbles. So anyway, if Junior wants to I embrace this strategy later on, assuming standardized tests are still a thing. Uh, Did you like I, standardized tests? I, I guess they, I thought they were sort of ridiculous in a, in a occasionally satisfying and sometimes frustrating way. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I don't, I, I guess I took them, I took them pretty well. So I, yeah. uh, I in that sense, I think I, I enjoyed mind. the ones that you couldn't study for. Yeah, no, it was nice to not be able to study for something. So it wasn't your fault if, however it went, that yeah. was always nice. Do you, okay, this is, I always bring this up and I apologize in advance, but it's like part of your story. Where'd you go to college? Harvard. Exactly. I don't know anyone that went to Harvard that brags about it. And most everyone I talk to says it the same way you just did. <laughs> There's this <laughs> weird guilt of going to the most prestigious college in the United States of America that all movies, specifically comedies, make it seem like you people are just bragging about where you matriculated. But no one does that. Well, my weird theory about this is that you have like a lot of like Harvard types in the entertainment industry. And so their way of like indicating that a character is a jerk is having them boldly proclaim that okay. they went to Harvard. Cause they're like, I would never. Um, yes. But okay. I've never, my I'm watching unsubstantiated theory. It's a really good theory. I'm watching what I think is the worst movie ever made, which is the spy who dumped me. Oh, I saw that. I didn't mind it. Okay. So the Hasan <laughs> Minaj character goes to Harvard and like, he brings it up nonstop. It is such a bad movie that my wife and I are watching it in like literally in five minute chunks, so we could stretch <laughs> well, that's it no out. No way to it's it's like it's not it's no this means war. I would argue that this means war is the same concept but much much worse. This means war is that the Anne Hathaway one? No, that's the one with Reese Witherspoon is being competed over by Tom Hardy and uh, I want to say Tim Price because I've suddenly forgotten his name, but it's not Tim Price. It's <laughs> Chris Pine, Chris Pine. Ooh, Chris Pine. <laughs> Don't know why. They have the same vowels. That's why. I, <laughs> I sorted them into the same vowel category. But yeah, and it's terrible. And they literally, they and, and Chelsea Handler is like the fun friend. Ooh. And it's just like, no one has any chemistry except maybe Tom Hardy and Chris Pine to the point that they like filmed an ending where it's like, what if they didn't wind up with her at all, just cemented their friendship. And it's all <laughs> about these two spies who like unethically in order to like date Reese Witherspoon, use the tools of their trade and craft to like spy on one another because for some reason they like, I don't know, they're trying to sabotage one another's relationship with her because they love her. It's very weird. It's just the movie, it, it's, it's a very confusing film that clearly didn't have like the conviction of like, oh, we're really going to lean into like this relationship is the one we're rooting for to the, and they were like testing they had every possible ending super uh, similar sweet. premise obviously to this guy who dumped me the i think the like the moment it clicked that this is the worst movie ever made i want to make it clear i like all the leads in other stuff i i am i'm not going in thinking i was going to hate this movie is at the bar that they're at for her birthday the spy the main spy Justin Theroux or is given a drink and the bartender goes bourbon cocktail with a blank. That's not a thing. <laughs> That's true. So it sounds like it was written in English, put through a translator, put back through a translator back into English. And that's what you get. 
bourbon cocktail. Well, maybe that's to indicate that he doesn't know how to order drinks nope, like a nope, real. Nope, that's not a thing. Nope, that's not it at all. <laughs> I try to give it the benefit of the doubt. No benefits. No, nope, all doubts. This is a. That's the worst thing that's happened in 2019. Possibly the release on Hulu. The worst thing that happened in 2020. I can't think of one worse thing. Because the, the, this country is living through an every other day 9-11 death toll, how do you get out of bed? What a transition. I, I have know I'm to... very good at them. Um, I mean, I think the same way, I mean, I, we were saying earlier where we were, just, yeah. we were both like, well, you know, I get to work from home and I've yeah. got like, I, I get out of bed and I think the only way out is through. Yeah. So, it's a bed. You can't go out of your bed through your bed. Otherwise, I would still be in bed. Um, did you um, did you have any hiccups, major hiccups this year? Or Because you haven't really missed any deadlines or anything like that. Your stuff is just still so good. You, you don't seem to be going through any sort of crises here, at least publicly. <laughs> what is? Have you had a giant hiccup in the last six months? I don't know. I think... I don't know if it's a like a giant hiccup, but it's definitely... You know, I've had some rough weeks where mm-hmm. it's just like this is tough to get to a just you know be a person in the world generally, and like be uh, you know make jokes about existing in the world for other people's consumption. So I, you know, and I, I think, but I am very lucky where I have a wonderful husband and a like you know all it, it feels bad to feel bad, but I know like as a human being, so I've used don't feel great all of the time mm-hmm. and it's okay to not feel great. You dedicated and your book to your husband. Is that correct? I did. It is one of my favorite dedications. Should I read it? Yeah, please do. <laughs> do you have the book in front of you? I, I can find one. Hang on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just remembered thinking like, Oh, that's great. I don't know. Why. Oh, yeah. it, it's not like elaborate or anything, but if you no, says to Steve, you're a good man and I like you. Sorry. I panicked. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I just love that so much. It's so no, I, I I hope he didn't mind. No, but I think he, I think he didn't mind. He, he knows who he married. <laughs> Whom he married. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I uh, do the thing where um, I feel privileged to know the person writing the thing. So rather than like comment on something or share something on uh, a website that helps Russian trolls, I email the author directly quite often. So I emailed you after our person, woman, man, camera, TV, uh, your column this year, maybe the best thing I read all year. Um, do now that this uh, collection has already been published, uh, do you have any plans to revisit anything uh, since then, or are you now that this is done, you're done? In terms Ooh, of revisiting, I, I think there's going to be a paperback, so I'm like I could revisit anything I wanted. So I'm kind of excited for that. Um, I might try to get person, woman, man, camera, TV in there because uh, I also liked it. Especially, I feel like I'm lucky because my editor is the kind of person who's like he, he was gonna joke on twitter about writing a villanelle that would really sock it to the trump administration and i'm like okay but can i like write a villanelle i know it won't successfully sock it to the trump administration but i'd like to write a villanelle or is it a sestina i think it's a sestina crap <laughs> hang on no it's no villanelle is do not go gentle into that good night no right. villanelle is the main character on of killing, killing eve, eve. <laughs> that's true yeah did you watch this season I didn't watch this season. I'm like two seasons behind, I think. Okay. Have you watched- They stabbed each other, but like only a couple of times. <laughs> um, I 
am finding that certain shows like uh, Killing Eve, regardless of the quality level, I'm sort of taken out of it because it just makes me think of the before times. Yeah, all the travel. Exactly. And the beautiful, beautiful outfits. Top Chef does this as well. Like, you're not going to any of these places or eating any of this food, maybe ever again. It's just weird to, I don't know, there's got to be a term for that. I don't think it exists yet. Yeah, no, I agree. There's sort of a, like, a beforeness where there's, some things are too before and you can't, and like, mm-hmm. enjoy them. Um, no, it's funny. I was like, the other day, I'm like, was I experiencing hope? Because somebody was like, doing one of those online like the instagram algorithm really thinks it knows me very well and so it's like do you want to buy like halloween clothes and i'm like maybe i want to buy clothes and i'm like who will see me wearing like clothes out outdoors but it's you know it's exciting to think that maybe someday we'll have to wear different clothes than the clothes that we have had on for the past (laughs) six months so that felt like a hopeful sign 